Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast. Coming to you live from King's Comics in Sydney, 310 Pitt Street, or alternatively coming to you live from the website kingscomics.com. Uh, my digital uploaded friend is Siobhan Coombs. <laughs> Hello. And I'm Andrew Levins. I only exist online. www.levins.com. Yeah. Is Tron only online? I don't know what Tron is. I just wanted to upset Jim because Tr- Tron is Jim's favorite thing. <laughs> How could Tron be anyone's favorite I know. Thing? That's the thing that's always astonishing. The second I discover something and I'm like, no one likes that. Jim's like, it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Uh, so, believe it or not, this podcast is not about the somewhat beloved late 70s, early 80s movie Tron mm. or Tron Legacy. Yeah. In, in fact, this is about comic books, uh, none, oh, of right, which, yes. uh, none of which feature an enormous like being made of light who... I don't even know what the fuck Tron is. <laughs> yeah, no one knows what Tron's about because it sucks. Um, but we review all the comics that came out last week um, and we let you know which are the ones that you should also be reading uh, mm-hmm. if that's mm-hmm. why you listen. Maybe you listen for recommendations. Maybe you listen so you can be like, ah, oh, these guys also uh, endure the same amount of punishment that I do in trying to read 50 comic books a week. Yes. Or maybe you just listen because... Uh, the you, dulcet sounds of our voices. That's right. Being uploaded to the website one word at a time. Lovely. Um, in any case, we start every episode <laughs> of Serious Issues by reviewing all of the number one issues that came out last week, all the brand new series that started in a little segment called First Things First, uh, and um, it was a big one. It's a, it it's a massive week, lots of comics, so we're going to try and speed through this one. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll be here for three hours. Yeah. Um, but starting off this, I think it was like 15 number ones that, came, that I read last week. That's too many. Uh, I wanted to go through the two new image books that started because uh, I enjoyed them quite a lot. Um, the first of which is called, I don't know what to say with this, Isola? Isola. I would say Isola. I, Sola. Hmm. Like iRobot. Yes, I, yeah. that's a movie I like. Really? I really like I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go Tron over iRobot. No way. <laughs> Put it on the record. <laughs> no way. Uh, so Isola is the um, is the new Isola. What did you? How did you say? I said Isola. Okay. I all right. We'll see how we go. Um, this is uh, written by Brendan Fletcher and Carl Kershaw with art by Carl Kershaw and Masasik. Masasi K. Masasi K. Really? I think so. That's awesome. If that's how you pronounce that name, it's M S A S S Y K. What about what about like Ms. Ass Psych? <laughs> 
Yes, that's what um, it is. And letters by Aditya Bidika. Um, and this book is, uh, you know, it's something that I feel like Image seems to just do more than any other publisher. And it is uh, kind of throw an idea at you and have you in this world and it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you, you, you are like, oh fuck, where am I? What's going on at first? And then as, mm. you, as you learn more and more little clues about this world without anyone specifically saying, this is what this world is about, you get hooked and you can't wait for that next issue. Yep. Um, this is about a partnership between a, uh, a, a warrior mm-hmm. who has been tethered to like a mystical kind of lion beast, um, but the beast has like hierarchy over the warrior because the beast is seen as a, as a as a god or a queen. So I think potentially it's actually a queen who has been magically transformed into a tiger. That never that's crossed how, my mind. That's how I would have. Yeah. That's how I read it. I was like, oh, the tigers are the tigers are royalty here. <laughs> <laughs> By her oh. evil brother. Hmm. Ah, Spoilers. How do you? Does it say that in issue one or? Okay, no, then write up. Okay, right. It's yeah. in the write up. Okay, sure. There we go. <laughs> um, well, that's not apparent after the end. After after this uh, first issue, but it's a like um, if you liked Carl Kershaw's work on um, Gotham Academy, this is a much more inventive sort of um, interesting work from him. And I like I already really liked him on Gotham Academy, so um, I'm extra pleased to see him sort of letting loose a bit. And in this. Uh, Brennan Fletcher around the same time that Gotham Academy was coming out, Brennan mm-hmm. Fletcher started his run on the. Uh, uh, Batgirl, Batgirl of Burnside Burnside run that's beloved by many mm-hmm. um, so it's cool to see them working together mm-hmm. um, this was a, yeah it's a very uh, strange world that we're introduced to here where you are you know you don't you don't know the rules of, yep. of, 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 of why everyone's doing what they are doing what their goals are um, we see the warrior kind of haunted by visions mm-hmm. um, some of which may come true um, but it's a, a surprising amount of sexual tension between the tiger and her, <laughs> her warrior. <laughs> um, and as we or learned, was that just me? Uh, yeah. They have a moment. A sexy lion a sexy warrior moment. moment. Anyway, it's gorgeous. It's an absolutely gorgeous book that um, I I'm, I don't know what what uh, clearly I, I missed the the big thing that you picked up on. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot to read this week. Yeah, this was a this, I thought this is a really really intriguing and and, and different book. That yeah. Um, the the Carl Kershaw's art is uh, the most European his art's ever looked to me. Absolutely, this. it reminds us of um, Everyone at Kings has been talking about. Uh, you know those Love the Tiger books or like Love what what's that series called? Is it Claw? What do I mean? It's is called it Love, love? Okay, right. but it's a series of um, totally like wordless animal erotica books that you you, got, you love. <laughs> <laughs> How many moments are shared in those porn. movies? Um, <laughs> in those books. No, but they're like these totally wordless uh, comics about sort of animals and stuff like that. And there's one about a tiger and there's one about a, something else. Anyway, they're great. And that's what this art really reminds me of. It's so really if, you, if that lush. sounds cool to you, but you also like the addition of words. And people. Maybe you should uh, give Isola or Isola a shot. I definitely recommend. Like if you like um, Avatar The Last Airbender, if you liked Extremity, if you like uh, European comics, I think this is super worthwhile checking this out. This is definitely a fantasy book. This is yeah. the kind of fantasy that appeals to me. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. Is it because there aren't elves in it? Is that yeah, my turn like, so, like It's not like my lord. And... Well, it kind of is. Yeah. Oh, the, I guess it is. But the lord is a, is a, is a tiger. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the where the line is for you. Yeah, we'll find out. Maybe maybe Wizards if some listeners could make a graph of what fantasy yeah. comics have and haven't yeah. been for me since we started this podcast. Yeah. Seven to Eternity, too high fantasy. Isola, 
perfect think, amount of fantasy. I think Seven to Eternity was just boring. Well, that's a possibility too. I think that's the real problem. <laughs> so the other um, image book that had a number one this week was uh, a new one. Uh, his first creator-owned book in quite some time, Jerry mm-hmm. Duggan, who we've known best uh, recently for being his long run on Deadpool mm-hmm. and uh, recently on Guardians of the Galaxy too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Duggan has teamed up with... David um, O'Sullivan. Yep. And Geordie Blair. There you go. Um, for a book called Analog. And uh, this is a book that starts off like any other kind of gritty crime book mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a scene uh, where a, you know, like a, a swap of information goes awry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, once, you, once we get past that first scene we, and we learn more about the world, we've realized that this is actually in the not-too-distant future. Mm-hmm. And this is also, as well as being like a crime book about a man who is essentially just someone who trades in information. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like the middleman between uh, different groups. Um, we, we, we were introduced to, to him here with a suitcase handcuffed to his hand. Um, but uh, in in this world, uh, the internet imploded and mm-hmm. all of the world's secrets, secrets were revealed to everyone. So now you either use the internet if you want everyone to know every little thing about your life mm-hmm. or you are completely offline, mm-hmm. which is what our hero or our, our protagonist is. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the big bad guy in this series is a Mark Zuckerberg type called... Oppenheimer, yep. which is hilarious if unsubtle, but I'm into it. Yeah, and I think there is, like, you know, Duggan is, has always been a, a, a gifted kind of comedy writer, and mm-hmm. I think you can get out of the unsubtleties that come with doing it quite on the nose. You know, this is what could happen if we don't pay attention to net laws. Privacy. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you, you, you escape the kind of groan moments by making this somewhat of a comedic book. Yeah, I love this. This is extremely extremely for me yeah me too um really really enjoyable like you know even if you remove the kind of future sci-fi element of this you know this is definitely it, 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 it i really just thought this is like, this is like any uh, any other real world kind of um crime book at the start Absolutely. and i was like oh hell yeah and then when that was revealed i was like oh I'll, i'm gonna keep with this and I, I was won over by the end absolutely and there's just like it's a it's a sort of quite subtle future sci-fi stuff there's just kind of drones everywhere yeah um and you have people the- doing it in cars because the internet broke. Because the internet broke. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's like, you know, there's just the way... I love finding out, like, the way someone like this works, you know, mm-hmm. how he does does his work while maintaining an offline presence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the extent that he has to go to to stay off the, off the grid is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be one of the things that's going to appeal to me the most in this series. Yeah, for sure. And I really like David O'Sullivan's art. I've, I've never seen yeah, likewise. any of his work before, but he draws a good square-jawed sort of private eye bro. It reminds me like it. a lot of some of uh, Punisher. Yeah, absolutely. Like recent artist on Punisher. Um, the guy who took over from um, on Becky Cloonan's Punisher run reminds yes. me a little bit of that. Yeah, uh, really, really good book. If you like crime, you like sci-fi, put them both together, baby. Analogs for you. Nice. <laughs> Image had a good week this week. They were, that they, was they good. were two great number ones. <laughs> and now we move over <laughs> oh, to God. some other publishers. Literally everything else. Uh, so DC have been ushering in a new age of heroes. Um, and uh, this week uh, they ushered in a new age of a character called the Curse of Brimstone. Um well, sorry, that's not I actually think his name. His name is just Brimstone. Yeah, no, that'd be great if his name was the Curse of Brimstone. First name, the Curse of last name, Brimstone. Nice. Uh, Brimstone, isn't he like the name at least has connotations with the new gods? Really? Yeah, and I think if that if that connection is maintained here, I might forgive this series a little bit. 
Uh, so this is written by um, Justin Jordan with art by Philip Tan. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing art that I've never seen Philip Tan do before. Yeah, I don't know Philip Tan. What the hell does Philip Tan do? Wasn't he... Or maybe I'm thinking of Billy Tan. Yeah, there's a lot of Tans. There's two. Yeah. Two Tans in existence. Um, but... I didn't heaps... I didn't really like this art. It doesn't... No, have, yeah, it doesn't appeal to me. I, I mean, I didn't really like... Sorry, bro. Yeah. I didn't really like the story either. So, a, a lot of the kind of commentary when, when this New Age of Heroes uh, initiative was... Uh, which is being, you know, pretty generous to call it an initiative... <laughs> um, was revealed uh, was that it was... DC being, you know, cheeky in kind of borrowing a lot of Marvel concepts and do, putting their spin on it. Yeah. And some of them have been, like, Silencer, which is a book that came out of this initiative that I'm really enjoying, mm-hmm. I guess is kind of their take on, like, you know, the ex-spy with lots of secrets that she doesn't want revealed to the world. So that's kind of their take on a Black Widow story. I guess. Very loosely, but that is, like... Of this, it's the only book I really enjoy. Mm. I'm sticking with the Terrifics because it's Lemire. That's him doing I'll give like it a. Another go. Uh, what's that? I'll give it like a couple more issues. Yeah, least. totally. Um, it's him doing Fantastic Four. Yep, and then uh, like you know there was that. Who's that? What's the dude that can? Damage. T- oh, damage is the Hulk, and then there's the one that the guy who can like, go through portals, which is like almost sideways. Like, sideways, it's almost like a thing like All almost like a Spider-Man classic take. names. Um, this is. The most egregious kind of like not even trying Ghost Rider yeah, yeah, story, yeah. and and also like I mean this this whole like this the the lead character is a, a young guy and his whole motivation is to reinvigorate his small town. <laughs> like I'm down. I think that's a noble pursuit, but I don't think that's like a believable story for a like. 20 year old young man who's like ah I just wish that my small town was good again. Yeah, he wants to. He he wants to. He wants. He wants. I thought he wants, just wants his his sister to escape this small town. Like he's accepted that he's in. He's in the cycle of being in this small go nowhere town. But but he says, he says constantly, this place it used to be good. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, so yeah, basically, a demon shows up and um, gives him the power of engulfing everyone around him in flames. And this guy, like, takes a ride from a random dude that he's never seen before who knows his full name. A ghost ride, if you will. <laughs> uh, so, I... I'm not going to bother, nah. to be honest. Ghost uh, ride is not especially my thing as it is. I don't need a But I feel like even... Version. Yeah, this is... this. I feel like damage was... like I could have kept reading on, like, a this is stupid level. Yeah. This just kind of, like, I, I thought was just... That's I mean, just Justin Jordan can do better and has done better in the past. Yeah. Um, and uh, and this is not what I want from him. Agreed. Uh, so that's The Curse of Brimstone. Uh, the only review you hear of it on this uh, podcast, unfortunately. Um, and we're entering into the stage where I read half of a bunch of these issues and went, I can't read any more. Yeah, I think there's, of all these, there's like one I enjoyed. Nice. <laughs> I'll get to that soon. Uh, Marvel put out two number ones this week, uh, one of which uh, was uh, uh, Cullen Bunn. He's been, he's been pretty quiet this year. This is only his second or third number one uh, of 20, 2018 so far. You okay, Colin? By now, this time last year, he'd put out about 17. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what's going on this year. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe he sent those clones of himself back to the dimension that he <laughs> hailed them from. Uh, Venomized, number one, is a continuation of whatever that weird Venom event was last year, that I, the Venomverse event, mm. uh, in which all the Venoms of all the Marvel universes, most of which are like Venomized versions of Marvel superheroes mm. from different dimensions, take on the blandest villain ever. What are they even called? 
The poison. The poisons. The poisons. And they're just like these kind of like blank slate characters who mm. also take over the... They're also symbiotes, but like white yeah, symbiotes? I don't know. Uh, so I yeah, just this is, don't care. Yeah, this is Cullen Bunn writing with Ivan Coelho on, um, on on art with Colors by Matt Yaki. And like it's... it's This just comes down to if you enjoyed the Venomverse event, you'll be excited to know that there's more of almost exactly the same thing. Yeah. Except weirdly, this actually like carries on directly from that event mm-hmm. which is canon i always thought that was like it, like like a kind of side alternate universe, alternate thing. universe thing no it's canon nope. and and also it 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 it's it's part of x-men blue as well uh-huh, uh-huh. okay sure and i find this with a lot of cullen bun books where i'm like ooh, the concept is very interesting i'm even like i'm not opposed to the concept of everyone in the Marvel Universe becomes a Venom for a little while. That's not terrible. At the very least, you might get some funny designs of exactly. some of the Venomized characters. But then the the actual story, like what actually happens, is so boring. Yeah. It's so boring. I've said this before. Nothing he, happens he, he, in he this. It just kind of ticks the boxes of what yeah. the minimum you would expect from a story. Yeah. So, I mean, I really, I really can't be bothered with this. Yep, I'm out. Well, we knew this wouldn't be for us. And yet yeah. we read it because we're and idiots. Yet. It's on us. It is on us. It's not your fault, Colin. It's ours. It's true. It uh-huh. is also your fault, Colin, but... <laughs> we also got uh, this baffling piece of literature. Uh, Avengers Shards of Infinity, um, which is... The, I would put it in the same folder of books that have given us um, Avengers books based off of theme park attractions. Yep. Um, like the, that weird um, one based off the Hong Kong Iron Man ride that we mm-hmm. that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But this doesn't tie into a ride. There's no ride in existence called the Shards of Infinity. Um, I guess this is just supposed to like make people excited about the movie? It did not do a good job of doing that. It, uh, it features uh, once legendary writer Ralph Macchio, who, who did lots of work for Marvel mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Um, Andrea DeVito on art. Laura Valari on colors, and this is just like a uh, like this is a th- this makes Venomized look like the most creative endeavor of all time. <laughs> this was just it, like yeah. the blandest versions of all of the heroes yeah. doing this extremely dull kind of semi espionage. Like at one point, a, 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 a helicarrier crashes into the ocean, mm. but I was just like, yawn. Yeah. And I, d- I just, I don't know, whatever. It was just a kind of dull action comic. The only thing that this did was um, make me excited for the Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness Avengers run, which is starting soon. May 2018. Just because there's a picture of it. Just because there's a picture of it in the front cover. And good Lord, I love Ed McGuinness. I just don't, like, like don't call it Shards of Infinity when you have an event going on right now yeah. called whatever the fuck that event's called. It's got something <laughs> something with infinity something in infinity. it. Something infinity. Um, infinity. Infinity cubes. Yeah. Infinity gloves. The infinity book. My infinity gloves. That's um, what it's called. But like yeah, infinity countdown. There we infinity go. Infinity countdown. Um, which we now know is spinning out into infinity wars. Wars. And we'll probably get infinity shards out of that soon yeah. too, which is, you know, I, I, it's very confusing and this is a, just, uh, look. Make me un- care about this. This is novel. unnecessary. Yeah. Don't put this out. Make it a backup in an annual or something. Just make it a digital only release. Yeah, perfect. Don't waste the paper. Um, so that is uh, Image, Marvel and DC's number one's done. We move over now to Dark Horse, uh, who released a, kind of like the biggest surprise for me to see this week, and that is a comic written and drawn by Frank Miller, um, making a sequel to, I guess, like his last fairly well-regarded release. So this is a sequel to yeah. 300. 
A book, yeah. I've, a book I've never read. I've never read it I've never either. Never seen the movie either. Me um, neither. But uh, this is a, a sequel to 300 um, about, or the full title is Xerxes, The Fall of the House of Darius and the Rise of Alexander. So it's all about the Spartans and the Athenas and the other things from that. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a sword and sandal yeah. action it's, book. It's exactly like 300. Um, and it's told in that, you know, long, long panel mm-hmm, format. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd probably be read, read, read great on a, um, on a horizontal iPad. <laughs> uh, but look, with this, this kind of story doesn't really appeal to me very much, especially having not read 300. But I have to say I was pretty impressed by most of the artwork in this. For, for a man who is, you know, constantly regarded as someone who's losing his touch, I thought there were some yeah. pretty awesome panels in here. For sure. But that double page spread in the middle where it's like all copied and pasted and like real dodgy digital art with a, with a sky that is like clearly not drawn by him and doesn't fit with his art style at all. I just, I, that was the point where I went, ah, you know what? I'm just not going to bother. And this, like, this is something that should be strongly for me. I very much enjoy historical comics and history and men in skirts and sandals and things Mm. like that. But yeah, I just, I have uh, with Frank Miller, I have a similar thing that I have with Garth Ennis and it's not to say that he's bad or anything like that. It's just, there's a certain tone to his work that I just don't, I just don't like his voice. Yeah, There's nothing about it that appeals to me. Um, There's a cool moment of a guy getting crunched in the head, like his head gets crunched in half. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, He he, he does some good action stuff. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, yeah, look, if if, if 300 was a a book that appealed to you, um, this book looks half as good as that one. That did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's Frank Miller. It is pretty crazy, though, that this guy almost snuck up on us. Like, I feel there'd be more fanfare for this. Yeah. This is way more interesting to me than them returning to Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. You know, a book that I never read the original of. I just mean like him creating something new instead of revisiting. Actually, kind of is revisiting a well, whatever. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like rather than sort of um, using someone else's characters, returning to a world that he sort of created in a sense. But I think... Isn't this historical? Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) the version of history that he decided to run with. Yeah. I think people in comics are a little bit just cautious of Frank Miller stuff now. Oh yeah, he's a I think Holy, I think Holy Terror, yeah, um, made a lot of people go like, "Whoa!" I don't know if I want to support this. So I think that's probably why there wasn't as much fanfare around it. And yet, you'll probably find it on uh, shelves of every comic book store that you visit. Oh yeah, because <laughs> like, no one will buy it. But every, every comic store was like, "Oh, I better get a few of these in yeah. just in case." Yeah, we still have copies. <laughs> uh, so over to Kaboom now, and we got a uh, kind of special Rugrats. Uh, issue we've been somewhat enjoying. Hmm. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. been, it's been mostly good. The Rugrats ongoing Rugrats that Kaboom one. is putting out, uh, and we've got Rugrats R is for Reptar um, this week, which is a special all about the kids telling stories about Reptar, who was the cartoon dinosaur that they were obsessed with in the, in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, every story was written by Nicole Andelfinger, mm-hmm. um, and then we have uh, art by Esdras Cristobal, Sarah Webb, Brittany Williams. Johanna Lola Fuente, Laura Langston, Ilaria Catalini, Fred C. Strezing, and Meg Casey. Uh, and they each, each of those art group teams did a different story told from a different point of view of one of the babies. This um, was pretty cute. It was pretty cute. My favorite by far was the Angelica told story, which was written, which was drawn by Brittany Williams, yeah, who gorgeous. I love and miss a lot. Um, Goldie Vance, where you been? Yes. Come back into my life, please. Please. Um, but it was fun seeing her. Like basically, it's like a it's a superhero story uh, between Reptar and um, 
a superhero version of Cynthia, which was Angelica's beloved doll. Pretty cute. Uh, yeah, but pretty cute, but inessential. Exactly. If you look, if you if you are desperate for more Rugrats in your life, uh, this was a pretty well put together collection. I didn't love Absolutely. all of the art, but I did enjoy some of the art, especially the um, kind of classic uh, Japanese monster mm. homage comic at the end, which has uh, Chucky and Tommy dressed up like Lab. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, Reptar is straight up Godzilla, and Robin. that's by the um, current. Uh, main series artist, I believe, Catalini. Ilaria Catalini. Yeah, yep. who I, I really love her work. Really, I think really, it's great. really gorgeous. Yeah, agreed. Um, so that's the Rugrats R is for Reptar. Again, like you probably don't need this, but mm-hmm. if you if you get it, you won't be disappointed. Um, I really enjoyed this week uh, Dread Same. Furies. So this is a sequel to uh, the Dread movie, which is one of my favorite superhero movies. It's a great movie. I think it's. Uh, like, I love Carl Urban's chin. Yep, it's really, really good. Um, and I just love the visual effects in that movie. I saw it in 3D, mm. and I think it's like one of my favorite like over-the-top silly uses of 3D motion ever because yeah. they have this great slowdown effect and you see people falling off mm-hmm. tall buildings from all different angles at you as things mm-hmm. in the sky float around you. Um, it's a beautiful, like, gross movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. And... Uh, at one point, it looked like it was going to get greenlit for a se- sequel, um, and that might, might not be happening now. But here we have a Dread movie sequel comic back in a one-shot special. Um, and this is what is really exciting about it. It is written by Arthur Wyatt and one of our favorites, Alex DeCampi. Mm-hmm. Um, art on this one is by Paul Davidson. Um, and uh, yeah, this is called Dread Furies, and uh, it's just a awesome one-shot that, like, you know, calling this a sequel is a bit of a stretch, but it is... It uh, just um, uses a character who was... Uh, in the first movie. Um, a, a hapless kind of guy who can't catch a break, basically. Like, you know, he he fell into a life of crime because... He was good at computers. And just couldn't avoid it. Um, and, you know, dread in this universe, like, he is doing good, but, you know, at what cost? How many lives get taken out? How many good lives are, ta- are destroyed in dread's quest for justice, Siobhan? Well, yes. And, like, I like... I, th- I always, like... I would like to read more Judge Dredd comics because I think there's like a cool nuance to like the fact that Dredd is kind of the hero and the protagonist, but he's also like a fascist cop. Yeah. <laughs> so like, he's not that good. It's always some fun social commentary in these books. But uh, I really enjoyed this. This is excellent. The story is like tragic to the point where you're like, oh boy, he's not going to get out of this one. Mm. And look, without spoiling it, the character kind of does, but in a really sad way that felt like it didn't, just throw out, slap a happy ending on this yeah, that, totally. that undid the tone of the of, of the book or the movie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think you know that's a really really satisfying uh, feat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I'd highly recommend this if you're a fan of the book or if you're just a fan of a good dread story. I don't think you really need. Um, I didn't even realize it was a sequel to the movie until just then when I read the first, the, the thing on the cover out, out to you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Dread Furies gets uh, two thumbs up from me. I really absolutely same. Really enjoyed it. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog has a new number one, um, and it's written by Ian Flynn, who is best known for writing a lot of uh, oh, beloved yeah. Mega Man and Sonic. So he's got a lot of Working video game well. comics yeah, for the Archie imprint and also doing Archie comics themselves. So it's written by him with art by Tracy Yardley. Um, We're going to get a new Sonic comic for the next four weeks every week with cool. a new artist on, um, on, on each issue, which I think is a pretty clever idea because those of us who are inclined to buy a Sonic comic probably want as much of it as possible in a small dose and then mm-hmm. just 
you know, go back to the, the lull of not getting them all the time. Lovely. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog is a funny character to me. It's someone that I've, you know, I can't say that I love any Sonic game, no. even though platforming is my favorite kind of video game. They go too fast for me. That's I know that's only, the point. He's got to go fast. But I'm not. I'm not equipped. I that find that they... And like there was a good game that came out last year called Sonic Mania, which, which balanced it pretty well until there were a few moments where it slowed it down too much and it pulled me out of it. But it with Sonic, I don't want there to be any obstacles. I just want it to be this really fast, beautiful rush thing where I get heaps of coins and mm. then fight a boss at the end. Nice. Um, but too often you'll be like going really fast and having the best time and then spikes and you lose all your coins. Right, yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, in any case... Uh, Sonic has this bizarre fan base that are really, really buy into the lore and, yeah. and story and the multi-characters of the Sonic franchise. Yes. And uh, I shouldn't describe any lore as bizarre because I like plenty that are probably even way, way more bizarre than Sonic. Totally. Um, but, uh, but this is like if... So I actually did read this despite my no video games oh, good. stance. Well, kind of like he kind of exists outside of it, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you would read a Mario comic. Just yeah, to see what that was about. Yeah. Um, it's when we get those, like, you know, a dude with a gun, and now he gets yeah. his own comic book, finally. Hitman. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what was going on in this at all. I couldn't understand it. And oh, really? It was too sort of, like, well, it was just action, and I didn't find that especially engaging. So, and then I didn't know who any of the characters were. Well, Dr. Robotnik, a.k.a. Eggman, who yeah, is the, the big main egg antagonist, guy. Yeah, uh, he's missing. But oh, no. all of his robots are still uh, terrorizing towns. And oh, so this... This saw Sonic and Tails, mm-hmm. um, uh, who is his, his um, sidekick who has two tails, a little orange fox guy. Great. Um, could fly around. Uh, they team up and destroy a bunch of robots. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was like, you know, fun. There's a bunch of quippy jokes and um, it's, it's drawn pretty uh, fun. But I wouldn't like, say that this was something that if you are not a fan of, um, if you're not a fan of. Sonic, this yeah. isn't going to make you one. No, totally. But I feel like if you are a Sonic fan who just wants something good for once, yeah, because no, no fan base gets gets coal in their in their Christmas stockings more than the Sonic fan. Yeah, right. Um, they they like they put out one game for every ten terrible ones they right. put out, and uh, I feel like you know people people grew up with the with the cartoon and comics mm-hmm. and stuff. But I, I I can't say if any of the comics have been good, but after getting that incredible Mega Man. Manga? Did you read that one recently? Nope. Uh, that was that was utterly brilliant. I think mm. you would have loved that. And that yeah. was a very action-based kind of retelling of the first Mega Man game. Oh um, yeah, I remember. Uh, this, the art wasn't very dynamic in this. It was, you know, it did the job, but, yes. and it was cute. But um, I was hoping for something closer to that. But um, I don't yeah, know. This I'm, is for this is for already existing Sonic fans. I'm, I'm still going to read it for some reason because <laughs> I'm definitely not that. But uh, I enjoyed it enough to keep reading. Cool. So that is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog number one from IDW. It is cool that they kind of did a new entry point. I think the the, the run before this was going for way too long with a very convoluted story. Mm. Um, so uh, I read, actually, I read all this issue. Um, Aspen Comics is a uh, a publisher that I never connect with any of the titles from. They really feel like a relic of the past, and yeah. not sure what their fan base looks like. Um, but um, I do. Aspen Comics has given us uh, who have we got? Who have we got from there? We've gotten. Um, um, like Fathom, yeah. uh, Lola, Bubblegun, Soulfire. I've actually liked some of these, actually, now I'm going through it. But they're not, never com- they're comics that I read, like, the first or second issue of it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good for this. I've had my yeah, feel. Yeah, it's a very, like, uh, Xenoscopy vibe. Like, yeah. Witchblade, 
sort of little thing. like Very, teenage teenage boy fantasy books. Yeah, Michael Turner. If you like Michael Turner books, there's a lot of Aspen Michael Turner stuff. Um, and uh, Portal Bound. I'm not sure if this is the re- a return to an old franchise, but uh, in this one, uh, there is like on, on on Earth, there's like some slacker kid who goes to a concert, and midway through the concert, the concert is they're, they're like watching a DJ too. And I actually kind of enjoyed the light parody of uh, of like. I guess like trap music or dubstep mm. that we get um, on the, on the pages where he's at the concert, um, but then the, the concert's interrupted by like a portal opening and these knights coming out, and um, when he touches hands with a, a a knight, she and him become one and they fuse together and um, like firestorm. Yeah, that's right, um, and uh, become like a cool lady robot, silver robo lady with yeah. a sword, um, and so. They they take out this this one bad guy and then they they have to but the portal closes so now she's trapped on Earth and mm-hmm. they have to work out if they need, what to do if they team up again. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cute. Yeah, actually, it was like it was cute. The the colors are really poppy. Um, art is by Alex Arizmendi and Wes Hartman on colors. It was written by Mark Rogian and uh, and Gabe Carrasco. Um, and so it was like it was pretty cute. Yeah, pretty cute book. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy the idea of uh, a boy and a girl fusing together and becoming a girl. Yeah, that's pretty um, a fun concept. Because normally it would be the other way around. Mm. And that would, that would be like, well, what a novel concept. A girl's a boy now. Yeah. It's, it's very rarely the other way around. And that, you know, that, that, that makes this a little bit different to your average teenage fantasy comic. Yeah, to be honest, I was like not super on board with this. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, I might give this another couple of issues and just see. Yeah. It's extremely uh, the kind of fantasy shit that I don't like, but because they went to a DJ gig in this, I'm fine with it. <laughs> You're like, it's me. <laughs> I'm a terrible DJ. <laughs> um, so that is Portal Bound number one. Uh, we've got two comics. I'll just give you quick little mentions to um, a, a, a publisher that I really like called Alterna Comics. I always mm-hmm. give them a shout out whenever they put out another a new release. And they seem to weirdly release all of their comics during the same week. Mm. Um, so Alterna Comics basically put out budget comics using old newsprint paper, mm-hmm. which means they can charge $1.50 for each issue, which I think is a pretty awesome little initiative. Absolutely. It's a very cool thing. Um, they do limited series featuring um, you know, up-and-coming creators or mm-hmm. like you know, creators outside of your regular comic uh, bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're about fairly different things. They never really feel like the kind of comics you read anywhere else. Yeah. So this week we got Tinseltown by David Lucarelli, Henry Ponciano, and HDE um, and Tinseltown is a tribute to David Lucarelli the writer's mother who was a uh, policewoman cool um, and he's basically written this kind of I don't know if it's a retelling of, of her life or just a a, a new story about um, about a, a woman in the I want to say f- f- oh wow okay in the, in the early 1900s um, basically uh, who who, who after you know, after her father dies, who was a man of the law, she wants to become a member of the police as well, and she finds her way in via the uh, the acting industry. Um, did you read this one? No. Uh, uh, no, we, no, no, it sold out, so I didn't actually get a copy. Oh, that's wild as hell. Mm. Um, that's great to hear that alternate comics. Like a, a you know, I kind of mentioned I mean, ordering too many in, but like even yeah. still, um, I thought the art in this was really really sweet, and the story was uh, was pretty sweet too. Like so, basically, she she is kind of given a job where she's not really a cop. She's like a hired to be a, like a, a bit of eye candy acting like as a security America guard. Captain America in the first Captain America movie. There you go. Yeah, a bit of eye candy for the men um, who, who go visit the studio back lots. Right, okay. Um, of, of, at a film studio. 
Um, so yeah, look, I, I, I thought this is actually like a, a pretty sweet little entry point um, hmm. to this, this book. Um, we also got from Alternate Comics this week, Zero Jumper. I didn't understand what was going on. Which this. is written and drawn by Patrick Mulholland. Um, I loved the art and design of the pages of this book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought were really, really great. And like, like I hope Patrick Mulholland gets work drawing off the back of this, off the back of this for, for other publishers. Mm-hmm. I don't love the storytelling in this. It just felt like a very run-of-the-mill kind of like uh, superhero sci-fi yeah. book that didn't really grab me at all. But I have to say that the art was fucking very awesome. Very gorgeous. Really great like, colours. Yeah, suited all, like to the paper stock really well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But it would pop any, any, anywhere for sure. Yeah. Um, so if you are, you know, if if you want to see an artist that I hope we see a lot of in the future, definitely check out Patrick Mulholland on Zero and Jumper. Two great books from uh, two two pretty cool books from yeah. uh, Alternate Comics this week. Uh, final book that I attempted to read was Swashbucklers: The Saga Continues. Oh my god! Which I um I gave more of a shot, not because of it was, it was it, it's a, it's an old Bill Mantlo and Jackson Juice uh, kind of book from the eighties oh, that they've brought back. Um, you know, Bill Mantle, Bill Mantlo, huh. he's, he's a hero. Bill Mantlow is like a, you know... Saved some people? <coughs> well, he wrote people saving other right, people. Right. Um, but uh, Swashbucklers is like a space pirates book. Uh, it was written by... Uh-huh. It's uh, kind of like a direct sequel to this uh, to this 80s series, um, written by Mark Guggenheim, who he's currently on X-Men Gold, mm-hmm. doing an okay job. <laughs> um, and art he's by fine. Andrea Mutti, who I quite like. I really enjoyed him on uh, the Brian Wood historical... Civil War, yeah, yeah, book. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so I, I stuck around for Andrea Muti, um, but it was a pretty uh, impenetrable uh, book that um, I just felt lost in because I have never read the original Swashbucklers right, book. But okay. I thought it looked really cool, and there were some cool ideas of it. Um, he, uh, Bill Mantlow is the creator of Rocket Raccoon, your favorite Ma- Marvel right, comics character. Right, 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 right. <laughs> he has had a tough time lately. Yes. The poor man. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give this book a shot if you like a little bit of sci-fi pirate action. Hmm. Siobhan, that's it for First Things First. We Great. did it. We read all those ones oh, and then we talked Lord. about it. And that's it. The show's over. We can go home now and See never read a comic later. again. Yay. Just kidding. It's time to play the beloved game, Roll the Dice, uh, for Marvel Image or DC, where one is... Oh, I always forget which one. One's Marvel. One is Image. One's Image. Two, Two is, is DC. DC. Three is Marvel. Okay, let's go. <laughs> image yes DC and then Marvel great so we're going to do it uh, Image put out a small amount of books this week four mm-hmm. but the most I exciting read two. the most exciting thing about oh, this great. Okay, is that cool. we get to play one of our favourite games on the show and that is uh, Siobhan uh, <laughs> talking us through what the front cover of the triple X variant yep. cover of uh, Sex Criminals was this month uh, this month we got Actually, number 23 with oh, uh, Marguerite a, a Sauvage. Marguerite Sauvage doing a, uh, a, a not safe for work triple X co- a variant. So, Great. Uh, Siobhan, Excellent. This is giving us some. This is especially good because the owner of King's Comics, George, is in the office. So I get to. Well, unfortunately, it's not as randy as we normally get from these. <laughs> but they've been, they've been quite it. held back, restrained in their sexiness, lewdness. No one's had a strap on, strapped to their f- head in a while. <laughs> oh, this is, oh, this is just like nice. Yeah. Ah, it's like a really nice, like, nude of, um, I can't remember her name, the, the, the ex-porn star. star character. Yeah. And then there's lots of boobs and butts in the back. But it's really gorgeous. Marguerite Sauvage is lovely. <laughs> George just Excellent. stood up to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really nice cover, George. Um, yeah, look, it, it's, a, it's a really, really sweet cover that I guess, you know, is, if not triple X, 
at least one X. Absolutely. Um, but, but much more tasteful than we usually expect. You know what? Um, which is disappointing. <laughs> Nate's, Nate's review of Sex Criminal this week was, finally, some people are having some sex, which made me laugh a lot. Uh, this is uh, the kind of the, the first half of this issue um, in which all of our characters are in a bad place. Yeah. Um, this is some of them... Uh, in a literal bad place. Uh, I mean, is it a... Would you say? Uh, yeah, this, this does not look like a place I would like to be at. Yeah, I think it very much depends on whose eyes exist? you're seeing it through. Does this exist? It's a, it's a, it's a place, a well-to-do <laughs> mansion where, there, where an orgy is taking place that you... Buy tickets to, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you it's this like is, a thing, a, is this a thing that actually exists, or is this just a, it's just been it featured in so many scripts and movies that people are just like, no, this is a thing that exists. It's a thing. Okay, it's a thing. <laughs> wow, Siobhan knows. <laughs> Read into that what you will. Um, so this is uh, yeah, a few of our characters at an orgy. Uh, none, none of them are having a great time, or one of them is. One of the. I mean, look, people here appear to be having a nice time. Oh, as in like our main characters. Our like. main characters do not appear to no. be having a nice time. Um, and. Uh, I guess you know while while they're at the orgy, um, Susie, who is living at home with her mother, is having a conversation with the ghost of her dad, who is trapped, trapped in an in old computer, computer and talking to her through like MS DOS prompts. Yep, which I really enjoy. Um, but uh, yeah, it feels like we're hopefully going to get to a happier place. But um, this is uh, kind of all of our characters at the lowest of their lows at the moment. And the the new sort of big bad guy we're seeing more about him and his weird sex powers, um, which appear to be like... Being able to predict the stock market. Yeah, <laughs> which makes him the most evil of all the sex people. Um, and we're finally seeing a meet-up between these two characters who I always got confused and kind of thought that they were the same dude. Yeah. So pleased to see that um, they're acknowledging that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it the guy, one, of the, one of the guys is the one that creates the weird clay the monsters? Yeah. And another one is the anime guy? Yeah. Okay, there you go. The two creepiest ones. Yep. My faves. Uh, but yeah, look, a lot of this is very, very plot-focused, and I don't want to go too into it in case of people that are reading this in trade don't want to spoil it. But uh, I have to say I'm, I'm enjoying having sex criminals back in, with some regularity. And having it be more um, plot-focused and having some shit actually happen rather than just like going back and looking at all the different characters. I like it. I still love sex criminals. Me too. A lot. So good. Um, try and get all those triple X variants because um, if you buy more of them, hopefully they'll get hornier and she'll like to describe them. <laughs> Um, Snot Girl, issue Yay. number 10, came out this week. Um, the Weekend, part two. Um, this is uh, written by Brian Lee O'Malley with art by Leslie Hung. Colors by Rachel Cohen. Um, it's about uh, Snot Girl, a.k.a. Lottie, who AKA is... Snotty. Um, Snotty Lottie, even. Uh, she is a uh, an Instagram model. Mm-hmm. Fashion blogger. Fa- fashion blogger. Um, and this saw um, her and her friends, uh, in inverted commas, friends, mm-hmm. um, at an influencer's kind of getaway weekend in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And like a convention for attractive people. <laughs> yeah, and there's a uh, um, someone who they meet who has a very low follow account but is there for some reason, mm-hmm. uh, uh, dies. Yes. And, and, and this is like kind of like a murder mystery um, issue involving ghosts and mushrooms. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a just you, a really, really, like, you know, it's expanding the kind of stakes, I guess, of, yeah. of, of this series. And, um, and there are a lot of big revelations from quite a few characters in this issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, some of them because of the, the mushrooms they took. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I just, I, I love everything about this series. I it's love so good. The, the, the mystery of several characters unfolding more and more. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the mystery uh, that, that we get the answer to in this, uh, in this issue is a bit of a, you know, a, a non-event, but that, that kind of leads to more uh, crises of uh, the various 
characters around the event. Absolutely. And this is such a like, <sighs> there's something so specific to the series where it's so um, shallow on the surface and then has this incredibly unsettling undercurrent of weird sexually charged motivated violence going on which is like not like there's no actual sexual violence in it um of that kind but there's there's something very like unsettling going on the whole time and i love it it's it's so good good. so good guys yeah so i I, i'm not sure how how much darker we're gonna get with this but bring it on either way yeah way darker the wicked and the the divine uh issue number 35 is uh extremely dark at the moment oh yeah this um (laughs) yeah the first page is the skull that's as dark Um, as you can get I, uh, I managed to miss an issue a couple of months ago. And then mm-hmm. um, when I picked up the last issue, I was like, what the fuck? What's going on? <laughs> so I managed to track down that earlier issue. And now I'm all caught up on this uh, series, which is like one of our listeners, Chris, wrote a, a, a piece about how he mm-hmm. thinks it's the best comic coming out right now. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's, not, it's certainly not my favorite, but it, 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 here's an argument. This is actually like such an amazing piece of work that delves into the history of, of gods and and the sacrifices that must be made to become one and the analogy that, you know, pop stars are, are our gods now mm-hmm. and what if they were both? And, Crazy. Um, the whole premise is that, like, you know, every every cycle, um, 12 uh, gods are chosen and people love them and then two years after they get their powers, they're, they're dead. Mm. Um, and so this is like kind of like this like crazy action uh, book with these nutty characters Um who are like some of them racing to kill each other before the other ones do. And then others are trying to like escape their fate. Yeah. Cool. Um, and it's, everything is just like, it's, it's just coming to a head. And they, they recently announced this is going to end with like issue 40 something. So we're at 35 oh, okay, now. Wow. And like, it is just, it's, it's, it's thrilling. Like yeah. every issue has two, two, you know, two characters or more heading off against each other. And it's not just, you know, beautiful action. It's also very well written. Um, it's, of course, it's, it's Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey with Matt Wilson and Clayton Cowles. It's a great creative team. Um, I love Jamie McKelvey so much. I'm kind of almost excited for Wicked and Divine to end, though, so that I can see him on something else because this is not a series that especially appealed to me when it first came out. Maybe it's something that I'll be able to smash and trade once. I think you should just finished. try and catch up now. Right. You can be reading this issue to issue with me. It's, it's mm. 35 issues. You read more than that in a week. I know. <laughs> it's a great series. I think you would really enjoy it. Especially All now right. Out. Yeah. I, I agree with you that it was meandering somewhat in those first 10 issues. I, it wasn't even that it was meandering. It was just like impenetrably smug. It was the sort of when I was going through it like, oh, Kieran Gillen's an old man. Just stop telling me about pop music, Kieran Gillen. It doesn't feel like that Christ. at all anymore. Now it is just like this. like Straight up mythology. And, and it's a romp. It's an action action romp. You love a good romp. I love a romp. Um, Walking Dead, issue number 178. Such an unsettling cover. Um, yeah. Uh, these are weird variants that are going on right now. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, this is, of course, written by John Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adlard. John Robert Kirkman. <laughs> <laughs> um, John. And uh, if you've been following it recently, uh, Walking Dead, after you know being around for 15 years, is now at like kind of... The biggest surprise that we've gotten out of this, and that is uh, the characters discovering a much more civilized society than they've been in uh, these last 15 years. Mm. Um, and uh, especially Michonne, uh, who's reunited with someone from her past. Oh, cool. um, and 
you kind of you because this is Walking Dead, like in spite of how good this may be, you know that something very soon is about to reveal that all these people are evil and there's going to yeah. be a big bloody carnage uh, because of it. And cool. uh, you just you, you see the signs, the mm. cracks here. Um, this is almost a like almost a, about fascism. Mm. Um, which is not what I was expecting from it at all. But um, look, it's in, it's enjoyable. It's kind of the most I've been enjoying the book in, in quite some time now. Yeah, cool. Um, this is never a series. It would take a lot for me to drop this series, to be honest. I'm, um, you know, at 178 issues, you're pretty invested. You're committed. <laughs> yeah. Committed for life. Uh, but I, I'm enjoying this arc quite a lot. Yeah, cool. It's nice that they can still do stuff to surprise you. Totally. So those are image reviews. Uh, what did we say we'd do next? DC. DC. Oh, yes. Great. Get to talk about Tom King. <laughs> Batman issue number 44 written by Tom King with art on this one by Mikhail Janin and Joel Jones um, and uh, I'll let you know the colorists when I find it Here, they always put this at the back I think um, but this is a, a story mostly about Catwoman as she readies herself for her big wedding day with mm-hmm, Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. um, spoilers Bruce Wayne is Batman um, oh my god June Chung and Geordie Belair on colors wow pretty good Clayton Cowles on letters um, so this is uh, partly in the past. So Mikkel Janin draws this uh, past kind of action, kind of, kind of chase scenes between Batman and Catwoman throughout time. So their yeah. costumes change frequently. Um, and they even comment about how frequently their costumes change. Um, and then while that's happening um, in, in, in the present, Catwoman is breaking into a bridal shop and just trying on every dress there looking for a dress and Joelle Jones draws that, um, which is phenomenal because it allows her to just draw Catwoman in all these incredible dresses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, look, someone, I, you could argue that this is a filler issue. This is the most I've enjoyed this arc of, of bat of Catwoman and Batman readying themselves for the wedding. Um, and I thought it was the best that Tom King has written Catwoman, um, in a while. What do you think? Siobhan? Um, look, just looking, flicking back through this, I enjoy the Joel Jones bits Way quite more. a lot. She, well, I, mean, I just refer her as an artist in general. Yeah. Did you see the news that she yeah. is doing a Catwoman book? Yes. Which that is, is writing. Incredibly exciting. And, on. That's exciting. Um, and I also love some of these Catwoman costumes going back through time. That green one, that's yeah, good. Really and the fun. one where she's riding a white tiger around, also good. <laughs> um, Bring that back. But I don't like, I don't like their dialogue. I don't really like Tom King's Batman, I don't think. Right. Um, I don't like the way that he makes, like, the the voice that he has for Bruce. I don't think it... I don't like it. I don't. I just don't like it. Yeah. Look, the I think, end. I think it's just like, you know, when you are a writer and you're given the task of writing an 80-year-old character, like, mm. what can you yeah. bring to that? And I know that, like, it, and also, not only are you, are you, you know, one of hundreds of, of writers that are, doing a take on this character you're also one of like 10 concurrent yeah writers totally. taking on this character and there is a massive challenge in that and I, I like that tom king is just doing something that while i don't think it works with not just batman but also quite a few of the characters that he writes i do just kind of like like i said in previous episodes i just kind of see it as existing in its own little universe and i'm fine with that yeah for sure i it, don't like i'm not i don't think it has to like you know match up exactly to every single other Batman book on the stands. I prefer it to have a little bit of difference. I just find his Bruce, like, boring. 
and annoying. But, but, but Bruce is boring. No, he's not. <laughs> he's he's endlessly fucked. Yeah. Like he's a grown man who dresses as a oh, bat and collects children to come and fight his never ending war on crime. Yeah, but like now, that's endlessly interesting. This version is like him settling down. Just How, dull. What a snooze fest. What a snooze what a snooze and, fest. And this when we see him sleeping. Talk about boring. Batman <laughs> <laughs> did... doesn't sleep. Look, I did enjoy this issue more than I have enjoyed um, the rest of this arc. It is good to see Joel um, Jones back on uh, on this book. Yeah, totally. Just the little, the little, um, the variety of faces that we get from Catwoman as she tries on dresses that just don't fit. Great. I really enjoyed that though. I thought, yeah. I thought those scenes were fantastic. No, it was good. I love when she pops the champagne. Yeah, I love and I love that. Like you know, it's still her breaking the law. Yeah, breaking into a into. Yeah, a, she's like, I have to steal my wedding dress. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> she's like, I mostly likes this one because it's the most expensive one. But I just, I, there's something about Tom King's dialogue that I never find. I don't know. I don't know what I want from this, but this is not what I want. I just think I, all of his dialogue. I, I think it, it sounds stupid. Well, I just, I, I don't think it was actually said. It just feels like you know, like like a dream flashback or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that yeah. works in this issue. Like yeah. maybe this shit didn't actually happen. I don't know. Like I, I, I know this is me making new rules to enjoy it more, <laughs> but I'm fine with myself doing that. But I don't expect anyone else to. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. This, this was a fine issue. It made me mad at the time when I was reading and I'm going back through trying to find out, trying to figure out why it made me mad. But I think um, I think it makes me mad when the art is as good as this and I find the story as dull as it is. That's what it is. It's boring. There we go. <laughs> I don't think it's boring. I've but I'd hit the nail on the head. Uh, so a Batman book that I'm not enjoying is uh, Batman <laughs> White Knight. Come on, this is so silly. <laughs> this is way... This is a version of Batman that I like way more. He has a little collar. Great. <laughs> is that it? Yep. That's all it takes? Yep. Batman White Knight, written and drawn by Sean Murphy with colours by Matt Hollingsworth. Issue 7 of 8. Uh, look, I agree with you that it's very, very silly. Yeah. Uh, but I think for me, it's just the glorification of the Joker. I just hate the Joker. <laughs> and I liked... Uh, one thing I really liked was Tom King's take on the Joker. Making him like a... Cl- uh, you know, desperately searching for oh, something to be funny again. Oh, making him funny. That yeah, was yeah. good. Hey, Whereas I did like that. In this one, we have... Joker becoming sane and becoming Jack Napier um, and then trying to save Gotham without, but also reverting back to being crazy and not crazy. So his hair keeps flashing green. And his eyes keep swapping colors. Um, This penultimate issue of this miniseries, which has, you know, been like, you know, Joker becoming sane and and proving to to Gotham that Batman's the insane one. Yeah. this now, of course, Batman is is you know released from prison, and it's it, it's up for them to, to stop Neo Joker, who is a the uh, Harley Quinn two, the, the original, the second second Harley Quinn mm-hmm, two, mm-hmm. who's more in line with her Suicide Squad incarnation mm-hmm. to the, the classic kind of Paul Dini. Uh, and- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Made it serious incarnation. Um, but uh, it's up to them to stop her by doing the one thing that no one would ever expect Batman to do, and that's team up with the Joker. Siobhan, I don't think I've ever seen this happen in any comic in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that was poor timing. Scott Snyder and Sean Murphy are friends. Yeah, but Surely that's... one of them would have said to the other, hey, in my series, which you're totally proofreading, by the way, because that's what friends do, uh, <laughs> Batman and Joker are going to do the unthinkable and team up in order to stop the, the, the big bad guy. <laughs> yeah, but this... That seems like that seems like a scheduling error by DC, not the fault this of has either. Never happened. Team. This has happened in the Lego Batman movie. That's it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I like Sean Murphy's art enough to forgive so much about this book, and I like I like it, it's sort of plot driven. You know, like some shit actually happens. The plot, the plot is interesting. Sure, okay, I, yeah, I'll give Tom you that. Tom King's Batman books is just people talking about yeah, because it's being a fucking, sad forever. It's a fortnightly bah, book. It's a fortnightly boo. book. You, you, there's no time for plot. Solve just some emotions. crimes. <laughs> Solve some crimes. Tom King's the Bendis of DC until Bendis arrives. Oh wow, damning words. The meanest <laughs> thing you've ever said. <laughs> hey Marvel, I got news for you. <laughs> Tom King is coming. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, look, we'll, we'll, I'll speak more on this. Um, I still enjoy it, but yeah. it is, I think, yeah, you, you, the silliness that you enjoy is maybe the silliness that I dislike. Yeah, I think I think I just enjoy having a Batman book that's not as weighed down by like continuity stuff and timing and but I feel being like, boring. Okay, and... well, I, I'm pleased with being boring. Like, I don't think you're describing the Tom King book as well. I don't think that, that, Tom King doesn't give a fuck about like what else is going on in the DCU. Yeah, that's true. Detective Comics definitely did. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it's still fun. Yeah. Uh, Batman also showed up as uh, the uh, main antagonist uh-huh. in uh, the latest issue of Deathstroke, issue number 30, uh, written by Christopher Priest. Um, and uh, this is basically the arc called Deathstroke versus Batman. Um, and it's a pr- like I like Christopher. Priest. Uh, me too. I'm a big fan. Just for his like 
the audacity of this man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so this he delves into the past in which uh, Al- Alfred and Wintergreen, who is mm-hmm. pretty much Deathstroke's Alfred, Alfred no. um, they have a, a history together. I thought that was really, really clever. And yep. I would actually read a comic of both of them being old men together. Yep. Talking- and I like them meeting up to both be like, okay, my my dude's off the rails. <laughs> and, and, and then he's like, no, my dude's off the yeah. rails. Um, we've also, I, I, you know... Christopher Priest is great at doing that kind of office style, talking heads, mm-hmm, characters mm-hmm. describing something before it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's used to great effect in this with, uh, with, with Robin. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who is, I don't even know which Robin that is. Oh, it's going to be that, ooh, isn't that Jason Todd? Well, is that set in the past? Why is it? I don't even know. There's nothing else set in the past besides the Alfred flashback. Mm. But then you just suddenly have for no reason. Like, I, I'm not, like, I, I, I enjoyed maybe that's it. Dick. Is it? Okay. Because Damien's in this too, isn't he? Well, they talk a lot about Damien. Yeah. Because there is... Can we can we talk about it? Or Let's talk about a, it, guys. Is that a spoiler? Because the whole... The hilarious, hilarious thing that Christopher Priest is doing in this is... There is the potential that Deathstroke is Damien's dad. The paternity of Damien is under question. And that's the main fight in this arc. And I think that is hilarious. Um. So, yeah, Batman comes after Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and Deathstroke kind of lets it happen, <laughs> yeah. Which I think is one of the more endearing qualities of Deathstroke. Yep. Uh, and they have a, they have a big argument about. Well, I mean, Deathstroke doesn't give a fuck. He's yeah. like, I don't care if I'm his. Pa- I'm not. Yeah. But also, I don't care. Yeah. He's and then son, just- he's like, but don't start a fight with me because I will finish it. Yep. Um, and uh, so after a brilliant little fight scene. Um, we get uh, the description of the next issue, which is next unstoppable force meet immovable object. Yes, the I like stars. this. Me too. This is fun as fuck. This is fun. That's exactly what I want. Um, Christopher Priest also wrote uh, Justice League this week. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to be one of these last issues, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, with artist uh, Pete Woods, uh, in which he's done a very uh, a, like enormously encompassing. You know, DC universe encompassing mm-hmm. uh, kind of story about um, a, a big fan of uh, of the Justice League, a super fan going crazy and becoming their their you know worst enemy basically because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he has all the in and outs of how all their equipment and tech and even like relationships work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we see a Justice League almost undone, and this is the uh, it must be the final issue, the second second to the last issue, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, when does when does Justice League reboot, Jim? Okay. <laughs> Jim, Useless. Justice League reboot. Any any ideas? How? Timing. A few months. A few months. months. Okay. Okay. It's got a while longer to go. Who knows? I still like this. I still think this is cool. This I is like, super fun. I like um how I feel like Christopher Priest has his own little corner of the DC universe now, where all of his characters cross over into everything else. Because Deathstroke plays a massive role in this, yeah. and it looks like he's going to finish what Justice League can't as yep. one person, which is very funny. Uh, you've also got Raven showing up, Kid yep. Flash showing up. Like they are characters that he loves using. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun, and I like I like a Justice League story that um, involves more than just the Justice League. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like kind of like my one criticism of the New Fifty Two Justice League run that I know a lot of people really enjoy, but it was just like it felt so like these are the only ones that are in it. Yeah, and it also felt too like like I like that this kind of involves you know diplomacy and a international fan. conflicts yep. and stuff like that, but without just being the world's going to end. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Um, it's a little bit more nuanced. It's a little bit more complicated. But it's not just them dealing with a small thing that any hero could deal with. This exactly. is like, yeah, someone coming for the Justice League. Yeah. It's great fun. It was really good. Um, I'm enjoying this one a lot. Absolutely. 
Uh, let's talk about. We got I got three three outside of regular DC books. So do you? Great, excellent. Um, let's just talk about the Snagglepuss Chronicles because yeah. it was pretty close to my favorite book this week. Yeah. <laughs> Exit stage left. The Snagglepuss Chronicles. Uh, the book written by uh, Mark Russell, who mm-hmm. uh, recently. Last year gave us the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. With Mike Feehan on pencils and Sean Parsons on inks. Paul, Paul Mounts on colours. Um, and this is a uh, kind of... It's it's so different from his Flintstones work. It's so yeah. funny that he is, you know, just going to be the, the the one guy capable of doing something interesting with the Hanna-Barbera properties in yeah. comic form. Um, but he, do, he does this by basically imagining not just um, the Pink Mountain line, Snagglepuss, as a... Um, uh, a gay playwright, in, mm-hmm. like a, like a you know a secretly gay playwright mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. in the 1950s, uh, but also um, Huckleberry Hound, mm-hmm. uh, and in this one we learn that Quick Draw McGraw uh, is a, uh, a, a a secretly gay cop as well who having a relationship with Huckleberry Hound. Oh, is that an existing character? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah they, they don't say they say Quick Draw. They call him McGraw at one point. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> um, that's the saddest. The, that panel is the saddest thing of all time. So this is, and this is actually like, I find a lot of similarities between this and another book that I'm loving at the moment, which is called Incognito Renaissance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the This is about like, um, you know, it's, it's an extremely kind of like historical, political mm-hmm. look back at a time where, you know, the, the, like the outrage of, of secrets being, being hidden from, mm-hmm. from the greater America um, was at the forefront of like, you know, political uh, yeah absolutely and sort of morality stuff based around bullshit <laughs> and like you know just like how hard it was to be marginalized absolutely. even though it still is now like you know this this was an, a, a time where it was if if you were different it was a, an injustice against the rest of the world basically um and so um there is like you know this massive thing of communist fears and uh, there's there's a character who is basically trying to get Snugglepuss to go before a trial, um, and while all this is going on, he's trying to d- direct a play. And we, I love we get these brilliant moments of dialogue between the actors. There's like yeah, yeah. Mark Russell is like that super rare thing where like he writes a play within the comic, and you're like, oh, I would watch that play. Yes, definitely. And he references like I think that this character is supposed to be Bertrand Russell. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but like manages to make him not an idiot if he is supposed to be Bertrand Russell. Like, it's, I think that's super impressive. And we get, like, yeah, ma- mathematic mm-hmm. uh, comparisons to uh, to life. Yeah. Which I found really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, like, one, I'm surprised this exists. And two, I'm surprised that, like, I, least I haven't seen it. I've not seen anyone outraged by this. Mm. Is it just because this is, like, flying under the radar enough? But, like, surely, like, Good Morning America would get wind of like they made snagglepuss they, gay no, they made every hanna-barbera <laughs> hanna-barbera animal gay yeah. i'm sure we're gonna get a gay scooby-doo at some point I, whoa i can't wait for it i can't wait but um i i, I just love you know these these people I always assume scooby-doo was asexual that 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 works too especially because he's like a, an emoji wearing dog in the latest yeah. incarnation <laughs> i don't want to see that thing having sex ever <laughs> <laughs> a regular dog though <laughs> Just eggplant emoji, eggplant emoji. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, I just think this is such a insane Great. and brilliant book. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and he even says um, exit stage left yes. in this. Um, he, uh, Mark Russell has achieved the impossible and uh, had the character say the name of the book. 
um, and without it being a cringy moment. Yep. He uh, he's talking about Some kind of Suicide Squad. <laughs> there's a flashback um, to uh, to a to to the 30s when um, when Huckleberry sorry uh, Huckleberry found finds Snugglepuss skipping town and. Um, where does he say it? He goes, yeah, I've never been one for goodbyes, Huck. I've always preferred to merely exit stage left. Mm-hmm. And that was brilliant. That's his catchphrase. And oh, yeah, normally he'd be like, exit, stage left, stage right even. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, this works really well in this. this ver- I love how like deathly serious all the characters are in this too. Yeah, totally. Um, it's never like the fact that half of the characters in this are animals is never played for laughs and it's so just have to accept that's part of it yeah Yeah. this is a really cool book and i really wish more people were reading it and i think everyone should go and pick up the flintstones and stay on top of whatever mark russell is doing yeah he's a clever clever man and we're very lucky to have him working on these projects that are that could be so terrible yeah and are so terrible and also shouldn't exist and also shouldn't exist (laughs) because they're abominations under the (laughs) law i love it um, we got uh, issue two of Shade the Changing Woman through DC's Young Animal imprint this week, written by Cecil Castellucci uh, with art by Marley Zarconi. Um, and uh, is it colors by Ke- oh, additional inks by Andy Parks and colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick. Um, <coughs> this uh, tells a story of um, an alien being who used a madness coat to um, come to Earth and put herself in the mind of a comatose girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first uh, 12 issues of this original run was about her trying to fit in in high school mm-hmm. and not succumb to the madness or allow her madness to take over the parts of her that worked. Mm-hmm. It was a fun fun ride. Um, and now she is older um, and... At a loose end. Her friends have moved on. It's because it's been years since they've seen her and she's mm-hmm. she's gone straight to the, her friends that she met in high school mm-hmm. um, for help and they're... They can't help her. Mm-hmm. They can't, and they, one of them refuses to because mm-hmm. it's just been too long. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of different threats. Uh, one of them, I feel like, is the return of the comatose girl, but yes. as like this in the body of a young man. Yeah, um, and and it's like truly scary. Um, but yeah. this is like the the craziest this series has been in a while, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's done really really well. It isn't like tedious. Um, no. It doesn't just feel weird for weird sake. It feels like, you know, it, it, it's... And, and the original shade, The Changing Man, is in it too, right? That's who that is, mm-hmm, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, this is, this, it's, it's got a lot going on, um, but it's a joy to follow because uh, Marley Zaccone's art is the best. It's so gorgeous and it's so well-paced. And there's so much happening in this book so that even in the bits where it sort of is quite dreamlike and feels quite strange, the next page, everything is pushed along in yeah. terms of story. Um, really well and it's just it's so great great comic book I love this book yeah hard to pick a favorite book this week because yeah. a, a lot of good ones a lot of great ones uh, finally I read Astro City 51 through Vertigo um, and uh, this is the uh, penultimate issue of Astro City before they make the move to writing graphic novels mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and this sees uh, writer Kurt Busiek and artist Brett Anderson um, make uh, basically like a follow up to one of their most beloved uh, series most beloved stories which was called The Nearness of You um, in which uh, basically a man has to deal with the loss of uh, his wife um, through uh, some superhero cosmic bullshit. Cool. Um, he is now running a support group for um, people that have been affected by just the mm-hmm. presence of superheroes and supervillains mm-hmm. in, in Astro City. Um, and uh, in this support group, he is called out because uh, uh, one of his uh, members has done some background info on her, on him and, and basically he has to explain to them that 
even though there are no records of him having a wife because of cosmic bullshit. Right. He, yeah. And so like, it's like, right. She was like blinked out of existence. Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, and, and it, it, there's a lot of kind of expository dialogue because it is a bizarre thing to explain to a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- it's a pretty powerful story and uh, there's one more issue to go to finish it. Um, look, I, I recommend everything to do with Astro City um, and especially with the kind of, you know, an end point somewhat coming up very soon. Um, yeah. Now, and there's, I think there's a comicsology sale happening as we, as we record. Oh, cool. um, but look, it's, it's never hard to find all of the, uh, the reprints uh, through the DC and Vertigo uh, trades. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you should, you should, everyone should read Astro, Astro, Astro City and this is a great issue. Cool. Uh, over to Marvel now. Great. The finale of Black Bolt. Um, one of our favorite Marvel books from the last year, written mm-hmm. by Saladin Ahmed with art by Christian Ward. Um, this is everything come to a head. Basically, everything that we've saw on on the road to this final issue mm-hmm. uh, is back in it from uh, the jailer who uh, mm-hmm. who was the big threat of uh, of this series that we thought was snuffed out uh, to the you know the 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 man who fought alongside Black Bolt. Um, Cecil, it's not Cecil, fuck, <laughs> Crusher, Creel. Crusher Creel, the absorbing man, mm-hmm. his wife, uh, Blinky, uh, who they met in the jail. That's uh, not his wife. Titania is... Yeah, you said his wife, Blinky. No, no, I, sorry, I meant Titania. I meant, I, I meant it's like semicolon. Yeah, sorry. Show. <laughs> I made that worse. Anyway, this was a great issue. Um, and even some great stuff between Black Bolt and his son, Ahura, which mm-hmm. has always been mm-hmm. a relationship that I found has never been treated very well in the comics. Absolutely. And this has been a great series like for Black Bolt as a character. Yes. I feel like he is so often just like this silent threat sitting in the back. And we all understand that he's powerful, but this kind of humanized him quite a lot. Um, so much. And I think it's a, it's a really, really great series. And yeah. it's with him making eggs. Lovely. Oh man, that fina- that final scene was so much fun and so mm-hmm. great, and just the way I wanted this series to end. It's a it's an earned happy ending. Absolutely, um, absolutely, and a new beginning, mm-hmm. which we know the next Inhumans event is called the Death of the Inhumans. So, oh no! But last time they did like a like you know Marvel's history would call it saying it's the death of something like they're the death of Wolverine, and we got four Wolverines out of it. Yeah, we, they did the death of X, and now there's an, an X Men book for every color of the of the rainbow. Yes, so Death of the Inhumans <laughs> might not mean the end. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, I thought this was a stunning debut comic for Saladin Ahmed. Absolutely. Um, because often we get like you know novelists or writers from outside of the comics world doing a clunky, mm-hmm. um, you know, debut that mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't feel like they've even read a comic before. Yeah. Um, but this felt just so natural and a great, great, great storytelling and excellent art by Christian Ward. Uh, both of them are, are sticking with Marvel. Um, we're gonna get a uh, we get Saladin Ahmed is doing the Exiles book. And um, I didn't know this, but um, Christian Ward is the co-artist on um, Jason Aaron's next uh, run on, on Thor great. alongside Mike Del Mundo. That's going to be great. That's such a great, great coming together of two excellent cosmic artists. So Absolutely. that'll be a, a brilliant run. But uh, yeah, everyone should go read Black Bolt now that it's finished. It's uh, It's been great. Yep. 100% agree. Uh, do you want to get that? No. Cool. Don't worry about it, everybody. I said My dad bought me. <laughs> Um, so uh, we're going to talk about The Thing and the Human Torch uh, in Marvel 2-in-1, issue number 5, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Valerio Skitty and colors by Laura Martin, Frank Martin, one of the Martins, Frank Martin this time. Crazy that there are two Martins and both of them are colorists. It's crazy. Are they a family? Are they husband and wife? Are they father and daughter? So many options. Um, and uh, so many options is what the characters... <laughs> oh, this is, I can't even do this segue. <laughs> but um, basically, uh, uh, Ben Grimm, 
um, and Johnny Storm are traveling to different dimensions to try and find their Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Um, they find a Reed Richards and Sue Storm, but that's not theirs. But they no. decide to stick on this universe, which is in dire need of their help mm-hmm. and help out. Um, I love this issue. Yeah, it's great. Um, and uh, look, it's been announced that Dan Slott is going to start writing Fantastic Four when it returns. And i got to say, part of me is very bummed that it wasn't Chip Zdarsky because I think he's done the best writing work he's done yeah, on this book sure. so far. I agree. I'm excited to see what Dan Slott does, though. No, me too. Sure. But yeah, I mean, like, especially if it channels the kind of Silver Surfer kind of heart that he's been doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that... Um, uh, like, there's something about the schmaltziness of Chip Zdarsky sometimes that doesn't quite always uh, hit for me. But I think he's, he's really balanced it really well on this book. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, this is good fun, him getting the opportunity to do kind of, like, alternate universe stuff where he's allowed to do whatever he wants. It's pretty good fun. Um, I like the older silver surfer who lives on a farm with his girlfriend, Emma, Emma Frost. Frost. Real good fun. <laughs> Hilarious. I liked Doom tagging along mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to, to help out. Yeah, this is a this is a really really cool little little arc Absolutely. that we're getting from Zadarsky. And the covers are so good. <laughs> They're the best, aren't they? I wish the interiors looked like that. But Valerius well, Skippy is, is great good. too. He does a great um, Mr. Fantastic. And a good thing too. Mm-hmm. A few artists can nail a thing. Just got to pause on that for a moment. Yep. Would you nail a thing? <laughs> <laughs> or would the thing nail you? A question for the ages. Absolutely. All new Wolverine this week, issue number thirty-three. Tom Taylor. Um, teaming up with uh, Ramon Rosanis and Nolan Wooded to tell a story about old woman Laura. Like, this is very much um, like Batman Beyond. Yeah, totally. That's um, 100% the vibe that I got, and I am on board. Yeah, so uh, in this we see uh, that that Gabby is kind of like uh, the, the younger um, Wolverine character who is taking on a... Uh, on like basically going on an action adventure while Laura almost acts as like a benefactor or something kind of w- w- like sending her on a mission. I, I, I yeah. She's, that, she's behind a desk now. She is in some kind of position of power in this new future where everything is kind of peaceful and great because Kamala Khan is the president. That's a future I'm here for guys. Love that a lot. Yeah. Um, and Maria Hill is hideously dis- dis- um, disfigured, yep. but, and, and wants to prove herself as an agent of shield again. Makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, this is like uh, when, when when they announced this is called Old Man Old Woman Laura. I immediately got like, oh god, this is going to be like this yeah. super grim kind of post apocalyptic uh, old man Logan style story. But it's the opposite of that. The, the world's in a great place. Yeah, and there's you know there's 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 something that that Laura um, tells everybody in this, mm-hmm. and she has one thing to do before uh, before it happens. Um, mm-hmm. What? Oh, yeah, that was good. Try and, try and really hard not to spoil stuff. But yeah. I, I, if this is, is this the swan song of this arc? Is this towards the end of Tom Taylor's run with Laura? Yeah, I think so. Um, so this is like, this is great. Yeah. Everything about this is great. I love um, it. Looking forward to talking to Tom Taylor about this at King's Free Comic Book Day celebrations. Woo! God, it's only like a month away. Less. Good Lord. And you've got uh, Tom Taylor and yep. uh, Nicholas Scott. Yeah. That's like the coolest. Even I know you've got more beyond that, but that's a very amazing doubleheader. Of, yeah, uh, I'm really pleased with that. Australia-based talent. Um, Absolutely. At, at Kings. And then we've also got Andrew Constant, who's oh. been writing The Demon. Awesome. Hell on Hell is Earth. 
And then we've got Paul Mason, who works on Kid Phantom with Andrew. Yep. And also Dean Rankin, who does um, Simpsons comics. Who even drew us in the past. Yeah. As Simpsons characters. And he will draw you as a Simpsons character if you pay him money. Yeah, like we did all those years ago. one of the nicest men <coughs> in the world. He's great. Um, so that's, uh, what, what date is that? May 5th. First Saturday in May. And if you are not located in Sydney... Come to Sydney. But if you are really <laughs> not located in Sydney, then um, check out your local comic book store. Free Comic Day is... Most, most comic book stores take part and it is incredibly good fun and it's a good chance to get some free comics. You know what? To everyone listening, I need some help. I've been hired uh, by yeah. Kings to be... What are you describing me as? Celebrity dad. Celebrity dad. Um, I'm, I'm going to be hosting trivia in the long line at the front of Kings Comics because yeah. uh, it's, it's the most popular day at Kings of the year. Yeah. Um, and so everyone is lines up down the street to get in and get some free comics, talk to some creators. Uh, and so to, in order to entertain them, I'll be walking up and down, giving out prizes and doing trivia stuff uh, with chats. some of the King staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I've got to dress up this year. Uh, so, yes. I I give it to you, dear listener. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a time poor man, mm-hmm. but uh, I can I can certainly pay for a decent costume. So uh, <laughs> or I can certainly make kings pay for to get a good costume. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if yeah, if, g- give me some ideas. I, I want to dress up as uh, as something uh, like maybe I should dress up as the Bendis is coming ad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can give a, a good costume for me to dress up as for free comic book day, uh, let us know. Excellent. Um, over at facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast or on Twitter at serious underscore underscore issues or email Siobhan directly. Yep. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. I do check it. She does. I do. Sometimes she even forwards things on to me. Sometimes. Sometimes I even check those. <laughs> um, Runaways this week um, was uh, again written by and drawn by the uh, creative team of Rainbow Rowell, Chris Anker. Oh, a bit of a shake-up in colorist time over here. Mm-hmm. Triona Farrell taking over from Matt Wilson for this issue. And you like can doing totally, a bang-up job. Yeah, you can totally tell, though. She kind of brings a more of a watercolor-esque kind of mm. vibe to it. It's great. Absolutely. It's a little bit more, like, textured or something. Yeah. Um, and so this sees... Um, uh, Julie, sorry, Carolina um, from The Runaways uh, reunite with her girlfriend, mm-hmm. Julie from The Power Pack, mm-hmm. um, and which is great because Molly, um, the youngest of The Runaways, is uh, super excited to have a real hero that she looked, a real teen hero that she looked up up to in the uh-huh. house. Um, and uh, Molly's best friend at school uh, is reve- it's revealed that she is uh, someone quite old who has taken something that has allowed her to stay 13 forever. And she is pressuring Molly to do the same thing so they can stay kids forever because being an adult is hard. And then there are lots of signs that that's the right thing for her to do throughout Mm. this issue too, which is um, alarming. Uh, Then we also have um, a very different, beautiful looking Dr. Doom. Uh, Chris Anker has drawn Dr. Doom, or I I think it's going to be revealed this is a a Doom bot. Oh yeah? Um, Just because he's not in the... The Trey's Iron Man armor. armor. Yeah. Um, but he is a he's a snazzy Doom wearing spats and a double-breasted coat and it's lovely. great. Just make this the Doom now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's come for the head of Victor. Um, and if you're not reading this book, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? But <laughs> Read this uh, book. If you are, you know how good this book is, how good yeah. it looks, how good it is to read, and how it pays. How good it feels. Yeah, it, it feels great. Feel. It, feel, it, it makes you feel sad sometimes, but also happy. It is. <laughs> It's the least, like, it is It is a superhero book, but they are not really doing superheroics. They are just trying to get by. This is the first time they've had a fight yeah, <laughs> in, absolutely. The, in the whole eight issues of this run. And it is messy. <laughs> yes, they don't do very well. Um, but then who would against Doom in Spats? Or even a Doombot. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the best. This is such a good book. I, I am in shock that it isn't being talked about more and that it isn't... I'm worried. Isn't it worried? Like, I wish more people were, were celebrating this book. Yeah. Do I need to talk about it louder? You should Probably. Make, you should make it a, a Queens of Kings book for sure. Yeah. For that first trade. I should. Um, cool. It's, it's a, Done. <laughs> great. Happy to influence. Um, but it, yeah, this is such a flippin' excellent book. I love it so much. Um, so, Siobhan, besides All New Wolverine, I didn't read any X books this week. I didn't get, I didn't get around to it. Cool. But you did. Because um, yes. you always got time for the X-Men. In fact, you can, you, can, you can hear Siobhan talk about X-Men in a special Patreon episode recorded mm-hmm. last month uh, over at patreon.com slash series podcast. A couple bucks a month gets you access to all kinds of bonus uh, episodes, including one that Siobhan and Nate recorded all about the X-Men. Yeah, that was good fun. We'll have to do more of those. Um, so I read two X-Books this week and didn't read two others because I just decided I can't be fucked anymore. So I didn't read X-Men Gold or Astonishing X-Men because I can't be fucked. Um, <laughs> X-Men Red's the, the X-Book I want to read. And so every, yeah. everything besides that, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, so I read New Mutants, Dead Souls, which is this sort of um, mini series by Matt Rosenberg with art by Adam Gorham and colors by Michael Garland. And this is the um, magic fronted team of Strong Guy, Boom Boom, uh, Shatterstar appears to be there. It's like the ex-Ghostbusters. Yeah. They're like yeah. examining supernatural goings on. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it's quite boring. And in this, they fight a frost giant. That's about it. <laughs> That's... Oh, and this guy shows up at the end. Who's that guy again? I always um, forget his name. Uh, the hive mind dude, world mind. Or he calls himself Self. Self, yeah. That, what's this guy's name? He's great. Yeah. Weird scarecrow great. boy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the robot scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> Wacky Robo. That's his name. I'm sorry. I'm not doing a good job of um, reviewing this. But I think it's, it's because it's, you it's didn't largely... actually read it all. <laughs> it's going to go out on the limb there. <laughs> or I read it when I was very sleepy. Um, but this is mostly fine. I guess it's kind of cool because it's like a... Um, they're dealing with small scale problems, which I enjoy more in the X books. Not that a frost giant is small scale, but yeah, it's more I, small scale than like, you know, the end of the world. I read the um the the first issue after we recorded, yeah, because I didn't get around to it the first time. I didn't even know it existed, um, and I quite liked it. Yeah. Um. So I I, I will I will get around to read this, and uh, I'll I'll let you know what I thought of the second episode when Siobhan reviews the third. Great. Um. I also read Rogue and Gambit issue four. This is um series by Kelly Thompson and Perry Perez with colors by Frank Diamata. Um, and this is Rogue and Gambit on a who have been sent to a island on a mission together because it was like a couple's retreat and people are going missing and so they can pretend to be a couple and also get some sweet couples therapy at the same time. And this um, is kind of about them confronting their past. I mean, it is about them confronting their past as a couple but- and seeing if they can get it together and work it out finally come on guys and usually like that would be a turn off for me but I actually quite enjoy whatever out of this series so far yeah it's good fun like it, it does literally have them f- in a literal fight with their demons um <laughs> their past selves yeah but it's it's good fun and if you like the sort of rogue gambit romance and how could you not guys um it's probably the best ex-couple and I like I really like the series I think Kelly Thompson has a great voice for both of those characters Perry Perez does a great job of like their current costumes as well as they, you know, we get to see all of their like past costumes and things like that. So it's good fun. 
It's like a way more fun version of the Batman book. <laughs> Amazing. I'll definitely read this one. Yeah, I'll let it's it great. Soon. Um, I just realized that the uh, the mutant you were talking about showing up is yes. Warlock. Warlock, there you go. Very fun. Um, so uh, there are a few X characters that show up in Avengers No Surrender, issue number 13, which is actually Marvel's Avengers, issue number 687. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that we're soon going to get two numbers on every Marvel book? Yes. Yeah. The original numbering and the new numbering. You know, from a retailer perspective, I don't hate that. Jim and I were arguing about this before. But um, I think it helps new readers know where to jump on a new arc while also giving collectors a sense of that kind of legacy stuff. I, I don't think it's the worst shit of all time. I don't think it's the worst shit. I just think it, it sums up this era of Marvel of just not sticking to anything. Yeah, and for just, sure. Like, it's so, it, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a bad call i just think it's a stupid one it's just very like like, just pick a thing exactly yeah Yeah, yeah. um but uh avengers no surrender this week um is this is the big uh uh weekly avengers book um that uh i questioned myself for reading a few weeks in and then grew to to quite enjoy what this book is doing um it balances lots of different plots and lots of different characters uh with all the different writers and art team on this so this is written by mark wade al ewing and jim sub Pencils by Paco Medina, who I loved on uh, New Avengers, so it's great to see him back here. Juan Velasco on inks and uh, colors by Jesus Ubertov and Frederico Bli. Um, so basically, that sounds like a mess. Yeah, Grandmaster um, has uh, been challenged by the Challenger. These are the two big cosmic beings, mm-hmm. and so they've sent teams of uh, of you know uh, super powered villains to fight for them on using Earth as a battleground. Um, and so that that is meant that the Avengers have had to intervene. Um, Grandmaster's daughter uh, was sent there as a kind of like rogue agent, um, like basically a way for him to cheat. And she entered the fray by posing as someone who had been an Avenger since the beginning of the Avengers. Right. Um, and while that's going on, like the, the, it's them trying to like stop these big supervillain teams to, to, to like from battling and destroying the earth while also realizing that they are players in the same game. Um, the Hulk has returned uh, and has like, you know, after fighting most of the Avengers last issue, uh, he, he like has this like heart, heart, heartful discussion. Heart, is heartful a word? No. Heartfelt. Heartfelt is what I'm going for. Heartfelt discussion with Jarvis, which is actually kind of like the best use of Jarvis in this series. Mm. I, I don't understand why you would even make him a character, but fuck it, whatever. Uh, but there's really great moments of uh, a lot of my favorite uh, Marvel he- um, heroes. Like Quicksilver has some great moments in this issue. Um, and uh, I like it. There's a lot going on. Like I, I think oh, it is, cool. there's something to be said. Like it's almost like, you know, like one of the things I like about The Walking Dead is how it balances so many characters and so many different subplots mm. without ever feeling exhausting. Like, you know, that does mean that massive eventful things take a lot longer to happen. Mm. But I think it's, you know, for a weekly weekly book, uh, I think this is working really well. Oh, cool. And uh, even though I know, like, a lot of people's wallets would, 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 would hurt with this, my suggestion, but I, this is something that I would love to see Marvel do, in this, but not as an Avengers book, in the same way that DC did 52. Yeah, 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 for or, sure. Or the Batman Eternal uh, books. Yeah, um, I think I think weekly books can work, and if it's the only Avengers book out, and if it's the only book you read, then great. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying this. Oh, cool. It's almost done. Um, well, I read two more Marvel books, mm-hmm. which I'll just talk about really Let's quickly. Let's hear about them. So I read Rise of the Black Panther, issue four, which is from the creative team of uh, writer Evan Narcisse with consultant Tanahisi Coates, art by Javier Pina, and colors by Stefan Petro. Petro. God, I suck. Um, 
You do, so better, you do better than me most of the time, I'm sure. So this is just like uh, Black Panther, Black Panther 101 history, and this is kind of his first interaction with Doom. It's pretty good fun. Yeah, we're, so seeing, as, we're seeing it's like Black Panther revealing himself to parts of the Marvel Universe. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wakanda. I wish. Wakanda being revealed to, uh, to, to, to Marvel Universe. Yeah, so, so yeah. Doom is like, how has this fucking super advanced um, country been around this whole time? And I didn't know, so he sends Doombot, and the Doombot is just sitting on T'Challa's throne. That was a pretty cool moment. Um, and it's pretty good fun. I like That's also a euphemism. What, sitting on sitting his throne? Sitting on T'Challa's throne. Ah. Yeah, nice. not, not as bad as mine, but like, you know, I can do this game too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, more importantly, I read issue 798 of The Amazing Spider-Man, written by Dan Slott, with art by Stuart Immonen, inks by Wade Von Grobadger, and colors by Marty Gracia. And so this is Dan Slott's sort of uh, you saying that, Are you saying that Spider-Man's more important than Black Panther, or that this issue is more important than my joke? Yes. Both. Um, so this is Dan Slott's final arc on Superman. And, ah, Spider-Man. Sorry, I'm having a moment. Um, and this sees Norman Osborn back as the Green Goblin, but also Carnage. So he is Green Goblin, but also Carnage. Um, so he's a very scary man. And Peter is the uh, editor of the science Oh, that actually works section. because... That works because Carnage is depowered in that venomized thing mm-hmm, that we mm-hmm. read. Well, that's insane that it's, it's actually that, that based in continuity. <laughs> yeah. Um, Say what you will about Colin Bunn. The dude knows his continuity. He, that, yes. That is one thing that he definitely knows. Anyway, I think that this is Dan Slott back at his kind of best for Spider-Man. Like, I think that he has such a good grasp of these characters and he's been doing it for so long that it was starting to get old and I think now that he has a bit of an end point in sight, he's really um, amped it up and I think Norman Osborn is one of the great Marvel villains. Mm-hmm. I think he works really well. I think Slot has, does a really good job of his voice um, and I love this. I think I think this is great. This was a great issue. It's really fast-paced. Peter's in a good place. Yeah, I've got to catch up and, and yeah, start reading along for, the, for his final issues because I've yeah. enjoyed most of his runs. Yeah. Absolutely. Dan Slott's a great Spider-Man writer. He will go down as one of the greats. Um, and this is a good place to, to check back in. Awesome. It ends with Spider-Man <laughs> making a flag out of his costume and burning it because he's like... Fuck America. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, that's what this is about. No, because... Um, Norman Osborn kind of just too powerful and too scary so he's like I give up being Spider-Man oh wow yeah so he surrenders yes but then he lights fire to the surrender flag yes I don't think that's how it works well anyway he wanted to get his attention <laughs> it's great and Stuart Imminent is great oh yeah he's the best Spider-Man artist pretty yeah. much one of the best Marvel artists yep um, one of the best artists surprised that DC haven't tried to steal him has he done stuff at DC he must have not a long time uh, yeah if ever mm. um, no he definitely has um, so let's, let's talk about other publishers now. We've done Marvel, we've done DC, we've done Image. Great. Uh, other is next, and uh, let's talk about uh, Doctor Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows from the world of Black Hammer, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Max Fiamara, colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Nate Piekos. Um, this is a take on, like, it's basically the Black Hammer universe is uh, this ever-growing um, Jeff Lemire uh, superhero universe mm-hmm. where he pays homage and does renditions of... Beloved heroes from both Marvel and DC. Um, mm-hmm. So we get Starman, mm-hmm. um, the DC hero. This is kind of his version of it. So much so that he's even named the character after James Robinson, who mm-hmm. wrote 
the kind of best run on on Starman, or at least the most like this version of the character. Yes, very true. Um, but within this, we also meet um, like a Hawkman, a guy mm-hmm. called Wingman, um, mm-hmm. and then there's also there's another really funny moment too. There's Dino, who's like Killer Croc. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one, there was one thing that was like, oh yeah, um, the version of the Punisher in this universe is called the Skull Digger. <laughs> All he does is shoot bad guys. It's great. Um, yeah, but uh, this is like <laughs> for all that fun. I, I, I'm this making is it sound like a real fun thing. A sad issue that's mostly about watching your child die of cancer. Classic Jeff Lemire. Um, and this whole thing is about like you know, like when you play with cosmic forces. It's basically like you know that, that's that part of Interstellar mm. where they're away for a while. What seems like hours, but when they return, it's been years. Yeah, um, and that's kind of what's happened here. And also that sort of. Um, Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan thing of like playing with cosmic forces can give you cancer. Mm. <laughs> Not funny, but great. Like I, I, I would be interested if anyone is reading this series that doesn't read other superhero books and yes, be totally. interested to hear what they get out of it because there's obviously a lot of references that we have a good chuckle over. Like the next issue, it looks like Green Lanterns, Green Lanterns which is good fun. Um, but yeah, if the, I wonder if this is as enjoyable if you don't understand the references. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm sure it will be. It's, it, it is because at its heart, it is like classic Silver Age take. Yeah. Like the like classic Silver Age stories through a modern lens. Yeah. Um, I love this. This is just so great. And it's, it's good. really it's a, a really, it's a It's a series that I'm proud to like collect as well because mm. I, it spans so many different things. It's great. Um, also through Dark Horse this week, we got through the Burger Books uh, imprint that they're putting out. Um, we got the sec- third issue of Incognito Renaissance written by Matt Johnson with Up by Warren Police. It's a uh, Harlem murder mystery. I think it is a, uh, a prequel mm-hmm. to the uh, Incognito um, book that came out years ago. It's been recently re-released uh, through Dark Horse, and they are doing this series alongside its re-release. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about... Um, uh, is it set in the 20s? It's set in... Yes, <coughs> the past. It's set in the past. Um, and uh, in it, um, there is a uh, aspiring reporter who is a light-skinned African-American um, who can pass for a white man, and mm-hmm. hence he is the incognito. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is basically a, a murder mystery in which he is investigating the murder of a fellow writer, whoever he's a fiction writer, a black writer who was uh, killed in the first issue at a, at a dinner party. And the police are not investigating <coughs> because of racism. That's right. And so this is uh, um, kind of like, you know, a very interesting look at the, the error and and how this character you know gets by, absolutely. It. Um, that's hence you know I described it as, as a good companion to Snagglepuss, even mm-hmm. though the, the, the two the two main characters are extremely different. Mm-hmm. Um, the the era and the kind of political, um, you know, basically the, the, the comment on, on on how much worse it was to be marginalised uh, is still is still here. Um, I think this is such a compelling story. Yeah. The, the mystery part of it alone, mm-hmm. even without the extra, you know, very well done political uh, um, parts of, of this book. Um, it's not even political at this point. No, no. It's just, it's just historical. Yeah. But just uh, commentary. Uh, the, but like the, the actual mystery of, of, of the murder and who did it first is so compelling and really draws you in. I love Warren Police's art. I think yeah, it's, it's so really gorgeous. You know, for a black and white book, his art and, and facial work is so vibrant. He conveys so much emotion because it's, it is, you know, it's a very confusing time for a lot of the characters, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, they may be confused, but we're not as readers because of how good his uh, his facial work is. Absolutely, and it's very, um, 
Like good. I, I love. Yeah, it's very, it's very good. I, was, I don't know what I was gonna say. I was gonna <laughs> say it's very like textural. There's a lot of depth to the sort of um, gray scale he uses. Definitely, yeah, um, yeah. This is awesome stuff, man. Yep. Um, I love it. Um, highly recommend it. This is probably my favorite of all of the burger Karen Burgers imprint um, books that, that she's done through yeah. Dark Horse so far, and uh, has definitely put both Matt Johnson and Warren Place on my like watch list. I want to seek out everything they've done. Yep. Including the original Incognito series, yeah, which I have to read that soon. Absolutely. Um, we also got through Dark Horse this week, uh, Koshi the Deathless, which is issue four of six of this excellent um, Hellboy kind of tie-in book, which has been written by Mike Mignola with art by Ben Stembeck. And wow, Ben Stembeck by, is great. Yep. Colors by Dave Stewart. Ben Stembeck doing an excellent kind of being influenced by... Uh, the original uh, work of Mike Mignola, but definitely doing his own thing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the story of uh, a one-time antagonist uh, for Hellboy, um, who now, as they are both dead and in hell, uh, kind of Hellboy is learning his full story and um, how it ties into many other antagonists um, throughout Hellboy's life, including the Baba Yaga. Um, it's a brilliant kind of fable-ish kind of story um, involving a lot of like kind of monsters and folklore and curses and spells. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fucking great. It's, it's so good. It's very like Grimm's fairy tales-ish yeah. um, and has that real kind of, like it feels like a real folklore. Yeah, definitely. And then just Hellboy's there going like, no shit. It's yeah, great. it's awesome. And it's great to have a, a book in the Hellboy universe written by Mike Mignola again. Absolutely. Instead of like kind of like co-written. Such he- a master and it's so gorgeous to look at. Yeah, definitely. Um, highly recommend this, even if you've you know only only peered into Hellboy universe mm-hmm. once or twice, uh, as I think Siobhan yeah. has. Yeah, I've barely read any Hellboy. Koshi the Deathless. I have the library editions on my shelf, and I've just never read them. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Um, and it's one of those series that just gets better and better mm. the more you read of it. I've never done BRPD, which is something that I, I, I endeavour to do at some point in my life. What's wrong? Just saw something in your pile that I missed, and I'm very annoyed. Oh dear, at myself. Um, Mech Cadet U issue number eight came out through Boom Studios this week. This is the book written by Greg Pak with art by Takeshi Miyazawa, colors by Triona Farrell. Uh, busy week for her this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Mech Cadet U is an excellent kind of uh, pastiche of uh, Japanese robot comics and cartoons, mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, young young cadets are bonded to their Mechs, alien mechs. Big alien mechs that are living things. Um, and there are big alien bugs that are coming to hurt the earth. Um, and um, it's up to the, 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 the cadets and their mechs to lead a war against the bugs and also stand up to the government. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. It's yep. perfect. Like, if I, like, this is the kind of book that I cannot wait to give my son. Totally. Um, and my daughter. Like, it's just yep. like, because there's great, strong characters uh, for, for all kinds here. Absolutely. Including uh, genitorial mothers, who's mm. probably my favorite character. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> As a mother. Yep. That's it. As a janitor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Mac Edit You. It's so good. I'd, this is the kind of book that, like, I can see going for ma- outstaying its welcome, maybe, but hopefully not. Like, you know, if this was like yeah. 60 issues, you'd be like, okay, come on, wrap it up. But Yeah, totally. I think that like this will, I don't actually know how many issues this is supposed to be. I could see it being like perfect 10, mm-hmm. perfect 10 issues, mm-hmm. perfect 12 issues. And a sequel. Yeah. That works for me. But perfect. yeah, who knows? Who knows what it's going to do? It's good anyway. Boom Studios doing great stuff. Yep. Uh, Lion Forge this week released a book that. This is what I'm in. Why do you always forget? Because I their books? hate me. Uh, Jazz Maynard issue number three of volume number two. Ja- Blood, Jazz, and Tears part one. Uh, Come on, how do you miss that? 
I that hate is the best. Um, or I hate Jim for not ordering enough copies. <laughs> Um, look, I just we've, we've sung the praises of this book so many times. Uh, written by Rollet with art by Roger. <clears throat> it's a French book about a uh, jazz trumpeter slash like crime crime specialist, crime specialist and action hero. Yep. Um, jazz Maynard, uh, who uh, w- was raised in the small uh, Barcelona town of El Raval, mm-hmm. um, and his uh, his crime life has seen him jet setting all around the world. And this issue sees him and his partner Teo um, in Reykjavik. Cool. Um, and this is a place that kind of takes pride in there being no crime there. But looks what look what Jasmine are dragged in crime a trumpet huh. also crimes. <laughs> um, and uh, this is just just a just expertly put together um, yeah. like. It feels like a spy book, mm-hmm. um, but it's great because Jazz Maynard is like kind of he's it's, he's one of those guys like it's like almost like the man who knew too little, but it's the opposite. Like he knows too much to yeah. know that he doesn't want to get involved, but he just finds himself involved anyway. Yeah, um, and uh, the art is is excellent. The action scenes are brilliant, but the dialogue and slower moments are uh, really heart filled and, and, and great. I love this book. It's so gorgeous. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you want to borrow this? Yeah, cool, great. Uh, issue number five of Long Lost came out through Scout Comics this week. This uh, just keeps getting crazier. And better. Yeah. This is written by Matthew Ehrman with art by Lisa Stirl. I love Lisa Stirl's art. I think she's, she's my favorite art discovery in the last year. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think that like she just sells this. This Because this book is a, it's a basically about uh, two estranged sisters reunited um, and looking for both a missing dog and a missing mother. Their yeah. missing mother. Yes. Um, it's also about a cult um, that their aunt is a part of. And spooky witchcraft. And um, monsters in the forest. Monster, yeah, and so like it, it, you, you forget that, I forgot that the first issue was like a kind of body horror book yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Or, like you know like kind of like a creepy horror book mm-hmm. um and then it became a, a lot about like family and and now it's kind of going to an even bigger horror vibe mm-hmm. um as we see like you know um what this cult of witches is forcing the the townsfolk to do mm-hmm. and uh what what comes next is a, has a very bloody finale this issue yeah um and at the heart of it we have these two sisters that are kind of like that are long lost mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it too. Um, it's great. It's really, really good. It's really special too. Yeah, it's a really cool book. Um, and uh, it's definitely put Scout Comics on my radar because it certainly wasn't before this. And both of these creators, I'm super keen to see whatever else they do from here on. Is it a debut? I've never heard of either of them before. I think I that should, they, I should look it off. I think that this is probably their biggest work in terms of like wide publication, like the fact that. We are getting it in Australia. It's yeah, probably a that's big awesome. Deal. And I hope people listening check it out too. I really love this 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 comic, Long Lost Issue Number Five, Three Scout Comics. Yeah, check it out. It's great. Check it out. It's uh, like unnerving, but like not. It never turns way. you away. Like if you if you're not a horror fan, I think it would just creep you out enough without being like, oh god, too scary. Yeah. Plus, I find horror comics way easier to deal with than movies because they kind of go blah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Doppelganger issue number three um, coming out through the aforementioned Alterna Comics. Um, the, I just didn't get to this, dude. This is so good. Yeah. Um, what happens? So Jordan Hart and Emmanuel Zerks Javier. That is a great name. Great name. Um, Zerks is a middle name. Unbelievable. Um, this is uh, number three in a four issue limited series uh, about a man who comes face to face with a doppelganger um, after he sees someone die. Uh, basically, this person, when when a person dies, the first person that he sees, uh, the alien being within him, takes on their form and then mm-hmm. takes over their life. And the person whose life that life they take over has like 
24 hours to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone sees the two, like the doppelganger and the original person in the same room together, they evaporate. Yeah, they turn to dust. Um, and so this issue sees uh, the the man whose life is about to be stolen uh, sack up and, mm-hmm. uh, and, nice. and get a bunch of uh, like, you know, DIY weapons together from the hardware right. store and try and take on his doppelganger um, and save his family and also his own life. How's it go? Uh, not great. Great. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a big cliffhanger at the end and I'm looking forward to how this finishes. But this is uh, by far my favorite thing that Alterna Comics has uh, put before me. Yeah. Um, and I like it's, this is just a four issue miniseries, but so much has happened in it. And yes, it's totally. incredibly tightly paced. Definitely. It's really, really great. I think Jordan Hart has a, has a great uh, career in writing. Mm-hmm. Real good stuff. Yeah. Uh, finally, I read a little bit of the issue two of Green Hornet, written by Amy Chu, uh, with art by a German Era Muspe. Nice. Um, and uh, this is a book about the daughter of Kato becoming the Green Hornet. Hornet once the Green Hornet, the beloved pulp character, has mm-hmm. gone missing. It's a pretty fun concept. Um, it's a really fun concept, and I really love the art. Um, the art, like, is almost like kind of mix of like like a really scratchy version of Darwin Cook in parts. Mm. Um, which is an incredible, yeah, definitely. Um, and as I said that, I'm like, no, it isn't, but I don't know what it is. I really like it though. Um, but the writing is, is really solid too, but unfortunately it relies too much on what's happened in the past okay, in Green right. Hornet. Cause it's not even, it's like, it's like the third Green Hornet has gone missing right. and Kato is not Kato anymore, but he is, but th- and there's all these other characters that I don't know about. <clears throat> and while I, th- I really enjoy the writing, I don't think it does enough to, stop you from feeling lost if you haven't yeah. read Green Hornet before, which is me. Hmm. So unfortunately I won't be continuing it, but I think Amy Chu is a good writer and I yeah, really cool. like the art too. Um, shame I didn't stick around with it, but oh well. Can't read everything, can you? True. So that's it for this week. Nice. You can't read everything, but you can listen to us talk about most of them. Yeah. And that's what you just did, dear listener. Good job. Uh, and you can do it again every single week. You can find us uh, at facebook.com slash group slash series podcast. We're going to talk about this episode or any comic that you may be reading uh, with uh, over 2,000 other listeners that hang out there all the time. Again, if you want to support the show, it's patreon.com slash series podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be doing another bonus episode before the end of the month. Great. Um, Siobhan is at on Twitter and Instagram as SiobhanCBG. I'm at Levdog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G. And uh, we are at Sirius underscore underscore issues on there too. Follow them all. Let yep. us know that you feel like the show. I love hearing from fans. It um, is nice. And listeners, it's really cool fun, cool time. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, we uh, hope you read some good comics in the next week. I do anyway. Siobhan, what do you think? Uh, probably not. Okay, fair enough. I'm just going to sleep. No, I mean like our listeners. What do you, oh. Like, do, you, do you wish good comics upon them? Oh, no. Oh. Good Lord. So which comics do you wish upon them? I wish you... Civil War 2. Civil War 2 and Witchblade. The original Witchblade. <laughs> oh, okay, right. the current series. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> uh, enjoy your mind, week. For some reason. Enjoy your week in spite of having to read those comics. And we'll see you next week. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 